Rumors by Fleetwood Mac has been one of my favorite albums for years. And I listened to it once yesterday. Welcome to Spin It. everybody welcome back to spin it the last spin it episode of the year 2021 happening right now i'm james with me is connor that's me yeah that is it's almost a new year about to enter 2022 a lot of twos a lot of twos welcome to the end of the year this is the 25th episode has a two in it the 25th episode yeah our our quarter of 100 episode yeah can you believe we've been doing this for 25 weeks now more if you count the test episode? Yeah, I, I mean, I can believe it, but also I can't. It's a good mixture of belief and disbelief. And we're officially out of Spinter Wonderland now. We're back to our normal schedule of episodes. Well, you're saying that. I bet the mixtape will be happy because he gets to do actual spins again. I don't know. I think maybe the Christmas spirit changed him a little bit. He seemed to uh, really get into the holiday spirit and let down his mixtape regard. Yeah, but he was trying not to get Cole. We'll talk to him about that later. For now, we're going to talk about Rumors by Fleetwood Mac. What a record to come back for the new year on. I mean, it's the, the 31st, but practically this is the first episode that will exist into the new year. I love this album. Do you know Rumors very well? I know you know bits and pieces of it from your singles listening, but how much of the other like deeper cuts do you know? Of the 11 songs that we're going to be talking about today, I knew seven of them. Okay, that's about what I expected, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, a lot of these songs are on my rock and roll playlist. That's to be expected. It's a pretty notable record, and Fleetwood Mac's a pretty notable band, for that matter. Let me tell you a little bit about them, in case you didn't know. Fleetwood Mac are a British-American rock band. They were formed in 1967, and they were together until 1995, and then again from 1997 to present. Bram. What? Bram. British-American. Bram. Whatever. That's how you shorten it. That's an awful way to shorten it. Uh, whatever. Well, you take the first two letters from each. You get Bram. They're a Bram band. Yeah, but why? British or Mary? Oh, you gotta have slang for everything nowadays. Fair enough. Fleetwood Mac is another band that is notorious for some really rough lineup changes and uh, group tension. I know we've talked about a few other bands like that, including but not limited to the Smashing Pumpkins, but Fleetwood Mac has gone through it. Yeah, they've had like, what, 14 members or something over the course of their existence? Yeah, if you add up all the people that have played on records and then been touring members and stuff, been in and out, it's been a lot to keep track of, but we're going to focus in on the main handful. The founding members, right, officially, officially is in air quotes because it's not really official, but their founding members include drummer Mick Fleetwood, Bassist John McVie, and those two are, you know, the band's namesake, Fleetwood and Mac. Yeah. Then there was guitarist Peter Green and guitarist Jeremy Spencer way back at the beginning. But Spencer and Green jumped ship very early on for different reasons. They were pretty short-lived members. Peter Green left to join a cult. Yeah, that is that is what happened. And Jeremy Spencer left because he was dealing with, you know, some drug abuse issues and a lot of other things that were going on personally. A lot of them were dealing with drug abuse issues. He's just the only one that left the band because of it. Yeah, he probably would have been able to stick around, to be honest. But once they left, 
1970, John McVie's wife, Christine, joined the band to sing and to play the keyboards. And then the last two big pieces of the quote-unquote main lineup of Fleetwood Mac and the lineup that recorded Rumors are Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks. The Queen! Yeah, right? I know. Stevie Nicks is one of my favorite rock and roll artists. I believe it. She and Lindsey Buckingham were actually in a relationship for like a long time when they joined the band. On New Year's Eve, 1974, 47 years ago tonight. Oh, wow. Happy 47th anniversary of joining the band. It's it's not exactly their 47 years of being in the band. I didn't say that. I said 47th year of joining the band. That's right. Happy anniversary to that fated New Year's Eve night. But that lineup, Fleetwood. Maybe we'll join the band. Maybe. I don't want to rule it out because that'd be silly. We'll become the two newest members, members 15 and 16. Get the mixtape right there as member 17. I don't see why not, to be honest. But that lineup of five, right? Mick Fleetwood, John and Christine McVie, Lindsey Buckingham, and Stevie Nicks, they were really solid for about a dozen years. And by 1990, Lindsey Buckingham, Stevie Nicks, and Christine McVie all left the band and or quit touring. They kind of pulled out a little bit. They officially disbanded in 1995, but they said, no... We were not making enough money when we were disbanded. Let's get back together. And so by 1997, they were back. A few entrances and exits later, and essentially today's Fleetwood Mac includes still Fleetwood and the McVees. It includes Stevie Nicks. And then instead of Lindsey Buckingham, who was fired from the band in 2018, they've brought on Mike Campbell and Neil Finn to cover some of his guitar parts. So that's the band. Part of what brought them back together was President Bill Clinton's inauguration. That's correct. Yeah, one of the songs on this record that we're going to talk about, Don't Stop, was pretty much the Clinton's campaign song way back in 92. And so when he was being inaugurated, they reformed and performed at the ceremony. So he was a driving force in getting them back together. Yeah. Fleetwood Mac, you know, for being active all these years, they've put out quite a bit of music. They've released 17 studio albums, and Rumors is number 11. They put out music like Lightning in the 1970s. So many releases, sometimes two LPs a year or more. In terms of awards, Rumors is the band's lone Grammy win for Album of the Year in 1978, but they've earned five other Grammy nominations. They also have three American Music Awards on seven nominations, including a win for Rumors and two wins for Favorite Pop Rock Band. And then they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1998. A fun fact, Stevie Nicks was inducted again as a solo artist in 2019, making her the first woman to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame twice. The Queen! And, you know, her status (laughs) as a two-time Rock and Roll Hall of Fame woman reflects that. I have a fun trivia tidbit for you. Okay. I know usually the mixtaper does all the fun trivia facts and everything, you know, but I'm going to throw one at you. Okay, let's see if I already know it. Uh, This album has the band's only number one single on the Billboard Hot 100s charts. Do you know which song? Yeah. Lame. Take all the fun out of it if you already know it. Well, I'm sorry. I can't help it. Dreams is is the number one. Okay, well, how many how many top 100 chart hits did they get across their career? A lot. I do know a lot is the answer to that question. I'm not sure of the specific number. Yeah, ballpark guess. 46. 25. 25. That's what I said. Yep, that's totally what you said. You all heard it. You said 25. Yep. I guess I'll leave the, the game shows to the mixtaper. He's better at them. Yeah, a little bit. Well, let me tell you a little bit about Rumors, which was home to a couple of those 
top 100 singles, as a matter of fact. Rumors came out in 1977. It's rock, soft rock, a little bit of pop rock. It's very easy to listen to, suffice it to say, I think. I listened to it, I mean, three times today alone because it's just so good. But anyway, a little backstory for you. In 1976, there was a little trouble in paradise for Fleetwood Mac, as they say. John and Christine McVie were kind of thrown in the towel on their marriage. Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks were breaking up their, like, eight-year relationship. And Mick Fleetwood was going through a divorce with his wife as well. It's a whole mess. Everybody in the band is just breaking up, getting back together with other people, doing a lot of cocaine. I mean, that's the fuel on the fire that led to the creation of Rumors. And Rumors was a huge success. To date, the record has sold over 20 million copies in the United States, aka it's 20 times platinum, and it sold more than 40 million copies worldwide, which makes it right around the ninth best-selling album of all time. The speculative statistic is that one in six households in the U.S. owns a copy of this record. Impressive. Yeah, that's almost unheard of. I don't know of any other records that can make that claim, to be honest. My Hippin' and Hoppin' album will. It will. It'll be one in four. If, if it ever drops. When it drops. When? We'll do like eight drop parties. Take, we'll take, take, take a page out of Kanye's playbook. Do like eight different drop parties, change the album every time in between. Yeah, and live in a stadium while we do it. I'm for it. Yeah, we'll find something cooler than a stadium. Take notes, Kanye. <laughs> right. The four tracks from Rumors that made it into the top ten singles include Go Your own way dreams like we said don't stop and you make love and fun those are your four top 10 singles needless to say this album was a chart topper in the u.s and fleetwood mac's first number one record in the uk as well nice yeah representing bram that's right yes so the album charted when it was released and it actually re-entered the billboard top 10 again in 2011 after it was featured on the TV show Glee, which also coincided with a Stevie Nicks solo release that happened in the same week. And then it re-re-entered the Billboard Top 10 again in late 2020 because Dreams, I don't know if you remember, Dreams started to gain a lot of traction on TikTok when that guy skated down a hill with cranberry juice. That's the song that I I remember hearing about that guy. Did not realize that was the song playing. I I don't do TikTok. I'm not up on on the hip TikToks and memes of today's youth well you might as well be i mean clearly you know some of the songs in the tiktoks this is at least the third or fourth episode where we've mentioned it it's true <laughs> this is like, yeah this is like the third tiktok song that I, we've done that i've known purely coincidental are we a tiktok podcast no i'm gonna assert and say no could we be a tiktok podcast another we could do another podcast for tiktoks i don't know what that would be like talk it talk it i was gonna go ticket but talk it sounds funnier <laughs> it is rumors like a few of the other albums we've covered is in the grammy hall of fame the national recording registry and in 2020 rolling stone deemed it the seventh greatest album of all time on their infamous 500 list. This is like the second or third album that's been in the recording registry we've done, right? Yeah, there are a handful. And we talked about some other stuff that's been, you know, there as well. Michael Jackson's Thriller and a few other similar caliber records. Rumors is a record with a pedigree, to be sure. I think that is everything I have in terms of background about the band and the album. How is the mixtaper feeling? Did he get what he wanted for Christmas? Oh, is he ready to yeah, go? I bet, I bet. Did he get his iPod <laughs> shuffle? I'll, I'll let him talk about that. You know, I don't want to steal his thunder. Yeah, put him on. Oh, it's my turn. Hang on, I'm coming, coming. <clears throat> hey, it's me, the mixtape. Uh, sorry I'm late. I was listening to this week's album on my new iPod Shuffle. That's what I thought. So you did get the iPod Shuffle. Merry Christmas. Congratulations. Yes, yes, I did. It worked. My 
my devious trickery of pretending to be a good little mixtaper during Spinter Wonderland got me my iPod Shuffle from Santa. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad that you were able to get clean for a few weeks. And I got back at Santa, too. Oh, no. Yeah, what, what have you done? Well, you know, everybody leaves out milk and cookies, you know, for Santa. Did she leave him some of that pumpernickel coffee you were trying to make? Uh, not the pumpernickel coffee. That, that, uh... We don't talk about that anymore. But I did leave him some nice pumpernickel bread, right? And sure. you see, here's where the deviousness comes in. Because he's going to think that was a nice gesture, right? He's going to be like, oh, the mixtaper gave me some pumpernickel bread. Break up the monotony of all these cookies. But I know it's just laying the seed for next year's Naughty or Nice list. He's going to remember that pumpernickel bread. So I'll have to put in even less work to get on the nice list again. I see. You didn't like telling the truth all through Spencer Wonderland, so you're trying to oh, be awful. able to lie and still get presents. Okay, it's clever. We'll have to wait another 11 months to see whether that worked, but, you know, uh, Christmas 2022. Santa, if you're listening, none of that was true. It was a spin. It's okay. You can still lie. You got plenty of time to shape up. So let's get into the lies, shall we? I guess we shall. But first, I, you know, a factor spin, trademark game created by the mixtaper, just like... Pumpkin spice lattes and everything else I've ever done. Yeah, uh, naturally. And so as the proprietor of the game, uh, I'm changing the rules. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah? Uh, well, you know, I don't know if you've paid attention to the score recently. Yeah, yeah, I have. It's not looking great for poor little mixtaper. Not the best, no. And, uh, you know, I like my games to have some tension. You know, the audience, they want to see a good back and forth you know, close match, you know, nobody wants to see a blowout game, right? Sure. Yeah, no. And nobody so I am declaring today's episode the final factor spin of round one. So starting the new year off next week when we're officially in 2022 will be a new round of factor spin. Wipe the scores, clear the scoreboard, reset the board, starting over. Whoever has the higher score at the end of today's episode wins round one. Okay, and so you want to do 25-episode rounds of Factor Spin. Mm, that's, a, that's a good metric, but, you know, if I'm blowing you out, I might keep it going, you know, uh, enjoy it while it lasts. No, I think it should be standard. It's got to be standard. 25 seems like a good cutoff point. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. It might end up being 25, 26, so maybe 26 makes more sense, so we do two rounds a year. I don't know. We'll figure it out. I feel like four rounds of whatever. Anyway... Okay, uh, I don't like that, but... And today's episode, we're doing quintuple or nothing on the score so that I have a chance to catch up. Quintuple or nothing? <laughs> I, you want five points for everyone you win? Yeah, but you only get one point if you win one. Well, that's not quintuple or nothing. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's quintuple for me, nothing for you. So quintuple or nothing. Even then, you still need a complete shutout, don't you? Yeah, I do. It's really bad. We're not actually going to do that. It's still it's still one for one. But next week, new scores. That's that's pretty much the, the the point of all this. So now let's jump into the final factor spin of round one with my first fact. What is your first fact about Fleetwood Mac? The band performed at the Olympics. Always with the Olympics. Which Olympics did they perform at? The 1976 Olympics in Montreal, Canada. Okay. Ooh. You said, what, 76? Yeah. So probably before 
or during all their relationship problems then. Probably. Okay, and when you said performed, you kind of put a weird pause and put it in air quotes. Did they not really perform? Not officially. Not if Okay, see, this is a sticking point in an earlier episode. What did they do officially then? Like, describe their process. They performed at some after parties. Ooh, they've been known to do that. After parties for what? Like events? You know, somebody hopped off the bobsled and then went into the Fleetwood Mac after party. I don't know. <laughs> Something like that. But yes, it was for a bunch of the Olympic Olympians, you know, and some of the other attendees, family, stuff like that. Why were they at the Olympics? Lindsey Buckingham's brother, Greg Buckingham, was an Olympic swimmer that year where he won the silver medal in the 200 meter individual medley. A swimmer? Okay. Yep. I have to do some math in my head. Give me a minute. I'm not a squirrel. Are you trying to figure out which Olympics the 1976 Olympics would have been? Summer or winter? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. The Summer Olympics. I just, I couldn't figure out if the years made sense. Yeah, why not? Sure, I'm going to say this is a fact. That sounds true enough to me. If you got a brother in the Olympics, surely you're going to go support. Why not bring the boys along and, you know, have a little party? Except, well, Fleetwood Mac wasn't really friends. But also, if I'm in Fleetwood Mac and my bandmates go into the Olympics, I want to go see the Olympics. I'm going to go. And it was before, okay, just, you know what, fact. Well, you remember when I said I was going to be the mixtapiest of mixtapers? Yep. I am! This was a spin! They did not perform at the Olympics, at least not that I'm aware of. Maybe they did, and I just couldn't find it on the internet. But his brother was an Olympic swimmer, all that was true, but it was actually a different Olympics that he did it at because Lindsey Lindsey Buckingham wasn't in the band when his brother went to the Olympics, so I had to shift Olympics. He did when he did get second place, all that was true. The band just didn't go. Wow, that's diabolical. Devious. It's very diabolical. Really wish we were doing quintuple or nothing now. (laughs) Too bad, too bad. It's one for one. Let's roll right into fact number two. Okay, well, fact number two, I have a riddle for you. Made it rhyme. You have a riddle for this fact? Yes. When is Fleetwood Mac not Fleetwood Mac? I mean, great question. Probably when Mick Fleetwood and John McVie leave the band. When there was a fake version of the band. A fake version of the band? Correct. Why? What's... All right, this sounds like a rumor. Uh, why was there a fake version of Fleetwood Mac? Was it made up of the same members or like a cover band? The band's former manager created it with completely different members. That sounds like a promotional stunt. Is that a promotional stunt? What's going on? It's, no, it's the exact opposite, actually. A demotional <laughs> stunt. Uh-oh. What, were they selling too many albums or something? They wanted to, to confuse people? In 1974, uh, the band was working through their U.S. tour, and there were several tour dates that the band could not make. And so their former manager, Clifford Davis, took it upon himself to hire a fake version of the band that he named Fleetwood Mac and had them perform at those events. So they trans-Siberian orchestrated it. Uh, yeah, but the rest of the band wasn't in on it. That's bad. That's bad. The rest of the band was on vacation, and it was while Fleetwood was working on his divorce, I believe, and stuff like that. So the band was all off doing their own things, not touring. They took a break from touring. Well, so they could have been touring. Oh my gosh. So this was just a massive scam. Exactly. Yes. The manager then tried to basically lay claim to the name of the band and their songs and use this new version for himself. Uh, he was quoted saying, I want to get this out of the public's mind as far as the band being Mick Fleetwood's band. This is my band. The band has always been my band. Bold claim. Did they lip sync or did they just play music? No, they just played Fleetwood Mac songs. Wow. Were the public like deceived? Did people complain and gasp for refunds and stuff? Like, I'd be mad. Uh, the public was very confused. Uh, (laughs) 
But he tried to sneakily play it off. He tried to be like, oh, this member left. And so we replaced him with this guy. And this person is on vacation. So this person's filling in. And then Fleetwood had to fly home for an emergency family matter was his line for why Fleetwood wasn't there, which obviously wasn't true. And so he tried to just pass it off as this was a temporary thing. At the first concert that this happened at, 800 of the members left immediately and asked for a refund. Of the audience, not of the fake Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> if the fake Fleetwood Mac had 800 members, I could see why the scan went poorly. You know, you never know which one's the real Stevie Nicks down there. Fleetwood's in there somewhere. <laughs> He's somewhere in the 800, I swear. But is any of this true? Uh, this absolutely sounds like the most fake thing in the world, so I'm going to say it's probably a fact. All right, you're going with fact. The last fact sounded really believable, and it was false. This fact sounds almost completely inconceivable and so i think that'd be a smart reason to slip it into this mix correct this is a true fact <laughs> that's that's wild i've never heard a more wild former manager story in my life what they do as like a repercussion i mean did they ask for money did they sue him they had to go to court they sued him for the name of the band and all that and they won after a bloody legal battle bloody there should have been i mean blood on one side only i mean it was just it was i mean it can be an a clear winner but still get bloody true true and speaking of bloody well that's a way to lead into a fact yeah what do you have uh uh, it really doesn't lead in really at all. <laughs> it's just wanted to scare you. What? <laughs> but we've had blood facts before. I mean, it kind of, well, actually, it kind of leads in, and we'll talk about it. The band's drug dealer was supposed to be thanked on this album, Rumors. I like it. Okay. A fun little anecdote, by the way, since we're talking specifically about their drug use. I had a professor in college who, I guess toured with Fleetwood Mac as, you know, road crew or something, but he was basically a stagehand. And he said when the lights would go down while they were on stage during their concerts, roadies would run them out bottle caps of Coke, like on stage. Yeah, that sounds like a thing they would do. Yeah, it was a, uh, a mind-blowing thing to hear, but now it makes sense. So thank the drug dealer on the record. Why didn't they? Because he died before the album was finished. Okay, yeah. See how he got bloody? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Okay, but you can still dedicate it to him after the fact. I mean, they just didn't. He wasn't that good a drug dealer, I guess, to get a memoir. <laughs> I guess not. So, I mean, why thank him? They just really liked that he brought them drugs? Or was he like a friend of the band for some other reason? So they were going to put him on uh, the liner notes for the album, which for those of you listening who might not know what a liner note is, it's the text printed on the paper insert that goes in the CD or on the back sleeve of the cover, you know, uh, of the record. Yeah. All that stuff, that's the liner notes. So they were just going to do a thanks section and list a bunch of people they wanted to thank and they were going to put the drug dealer on there. Because they said that they did so much cocaine during the production of the album. Yeah. That the album would not have been possible without their drug dealer. Oh my gosh. I do. I do believe it. They did so much cocaine that Stevie Nicks has admitted that she estimates she spent approximately $1 million on cocaine during the course of her addiction. That's wow. And that it got so bad that she burned a hole in her nose straight through her cartilage. That her doctor basically said, if you keep doing cocaine, it's eventually going to go up and into your brain and you're going to have brain damage. So you got to stop. Yeah, that sounds believable. I know they did a lot, a lot of drugs, especially during this point in their careers. And I mean, they were going through a lot emotionally in their personal lives and they were, you know, skyrocketed up to fame. I mean, this album comes out, what, eight years after they just got started? I mean, what a whirlwind. I'm going to have to say it's probably 
true. I don't know why you wouldn't thank the drug dealer, but they had their reasons, I guess. So you're going with that? Yeah, I'm going to go with... <laughs> the pause, I love it. <laughs> well, I was going to go with fact. The, if, you're, if you're lying to me, I think the place where you're lying to me is that they never considered putting them in the liner notes. But I think the rest of this fact is true, so I'm going to just carry that over and say fact. Ugh, this is a true fact. I was ah. hoping that you... Ugh. I almost pulled back. You almost did. I really... I, I got excited when I heard you starting to pull back. I almost pulled back and flipped, but I did not. They definitely did not pull back their drug uh, abuse as early as they should have. Uh, That's true. Here's You had your interesting little anecdote about the roadies. Uh, here's another one. They had a code song for needing a drug break during like recording sessions and out on press tours and stuff. Really? If anyone in the band heard anyone in like the crew or any of the members of the band, if anybody involved with the band at all started singing the song Chariots of Fire, that meant that they needed a cocaine break. <laughs> wow. That was their code song. Very interesting. I didn't know that. Well, now you do. Now I do. And, you know, uh, if I'm ever around the band, I'll keep my ears peeled. Well, I got one more for you. Standard four. One more, standard four, all right. Give me what you got. The band members all lived together two separate times throughout the 70s. That's really hard to believe for now. I mean, they hate each other. So Fleetwood Mac, after all this drama going on in 1976, they weren't even friends. The band is basically a business venture. They would show up at the studio, they would record, and then they would like cuss each other out while the records weren't running. Then they would leave and not communicate and come back in the next day. It's literally, it was like their job and they hated each other. And that is like still the case. That never ended after 1976. The band hasn't been friends. Of course, prior to that, they were pretty much all in a relationship with one another. Tell me more. When did they start living together? And you said they did it multiple times? Two separate occasions. Sure. What was the first time? In 1970, they lived in the English countryside in a place that they nicknamed Kiln House, which is where they got the name for the album released the same year. Okay, that's nice. Pleasant. Quaint. Okay, so that's the first time. What happened for the second time? Well, why did the first time end? Why'd they stop living together at Kiln House? They sold the place. Uh, that's all I got is they sold it. I don't know why they decided to sell it. Money, probably. So then the second time happens. What happens the second time? Uh, the second time was a few years later. <clears throat> they all lived in Mick Fleetwood's mansion called Benefold until he sold it in the mid-70s. Mansion? Good night. When in the mid-70s did he sell it? Mm, I don't have an exact year. just said mid-70s. Okay. Uh, this seems believable. Were they? Did they get along when they lived together all these times? Was I mean, clearly before all the breakups. Uh, yeah, they said they would do it. They, they lived together and the, it was the idea was that they would use that time to you know have heavy songwriting sessions and do work and do all that but a lot of the members have said that really they'd get maybe two weeks worth of actual work done and the rest of it would be eating food partying and doing drugs that yeah sure sounds right i don't see any reason that wouldn't be true however i'm gonna say spin uh, either way so if i say spin and it's wrong i've gone 50 50 you did say you were gonna be a very mixtapey mixtaper and this fact i have no reason to doubt so i'm gonna be skeptical of the fact that you're presenting it to me so plainly and uh and in a way that makes sense so i'm gonna say spin lock it in spin i'm locking it in this is a true oh, fact. Yeah, really? Wow. Yeah, this is a true fact. They lived together twice. 
Now, here's the real kicker for you here. I kind of set you up on this one. Okay, yeah. I intended for this to be a spin until you decided to just lock it in without asking more questions. Oh. So we didn't get to the spin information. Everything I gave you was true. And then you locked in spin. Wow. And so it became a true fact. I'm shocked. I had two... Uh, yeah, I had two fake pieces of information one for each house that they lived in that if you asked about like their time in the house i was gonna tell you to make it a spin but you were so incredulous of the fact to begin with i decided to hold that information back until you asked for it and then you just locked in spin and so it became a true fact i that's the first time i've ever done that oops i didn't need it i didn't need it to fool you because that's how good and devious of a mixtapey mixtaper i am we've ended spinter wonderland and gone straight back to 50 50 ties Yep, I know. Uh, it's a good one to end. 50-50 tie is a good way to end round one of uh, Factor Spin. I feel like Factor Spin round one's like mantra was 50-50 ties. For a long time. We had a lot of them. It was always either a 50-50 tie or one of us blew the other one out of the water. Yep, that's the only two alternative options there. You know what? I'm not going to stop thinking about tomorrow. I'm not going to stop. It'll soon be here. It'll be here better than before. Yesterday's gone. So let's call it a day on this Factor Spin, and we'll see you in 2022. New year, new mixtaper. You said the same thing at the end of Spinter Wonderland, but yes, new year, new you. And it's still true. <laughs> new year, new mixtaper, new round of Factor Spin. See you in 2022, everybody. Yeah! All right, well, that'll end Factor Spin. I guess the conclusion of round one. Congratulations on getting us... The host victory for round one of Factor Spin. It's pretty significant. Yeah, I guess he just decided to bite the bullet and cut his losses by trying to win the second round instead. I think he was afraid of the score running up even higher. He'd rather have a chance at redemption than to try to claw his way out of this hole. That's true. I don't know. I kind of like the, the big old running score for every episode ever, but I understand. I mean, we, we can keep track of that. I understand his hesitation. But yeah, it feels good. Uh, thank you for getting that win. I'm glad I did my part getting us our first, you know, perfect uh, perfect win. Uh, yeah, and then we had a couple in a row from there. Yeah, I feel like I kind of put us on the path to, you know, I put us on a hot streak with my win. Right. I feel like I would have won either way, though, so, you know... We're all winners here. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's talk about Rumors. Let's get into it. Start with the album cover. So the album cover for Rumors is a nice, like, beige, light beige background, you know? And uh, there's a little stool. Mick Fleetwood's got his leg up on the stool, and Stevie Nicks is doing this all, uh, I don't know, spread out pose in this in this flowing dress. It's a pretty remarkable album cover. It's, it's recognizable, which I guess you would expect to be the case when one in six American households owns a copy of this record. I like it. I do too. I actually, I think I saw that dress on display at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Really? That's cool. I know. I was in awe of it. The queen. One of the most defining features of the album art is the little balls hanging down from Fleetwood as he has his leg up on the stool. That is a feature. Yeah. Do you know what those balls are? I can't say that I do. I know that I know it at some point. I know that I have learned this information, but it's been so long since I've revisited it that I've since forgotten. Sure. They're a set of toilet bowl chains. The chain. Yeah. Uh, you know, like when you open up the top part of the toilet, you see like the, the ball and chain that like acts to stop up the hole that the water comes out of, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those. He stole it from a club that the band performed at when they were first getting their start and it became a part of his signature look. He wore them for every performance. It's a weird thing to steal, I will have to admit. I mean... Well, he was probably on cocaine, right? 
<laughs> I don't know. Who knows? Probably not back in the early days. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. Toilet bowl chains. The chain will keep us together. Also, here's another interesting fun fact. Did you know that the band has never appeared on an album cover together? Despite having released those, what, 17 studio albums? Yeah, well, and honestly, I mean, Rumors is the 11th. So theoretically, they did 10 albums before they were at each other's throats all the time. The only exception to that is their 1997 live reunion album called The Dance. It features them all on it, but... I don't think that should count because it's a live reunion album. Yep, that doesn't quite count the same. It's not a studio album. Well, let's get into it. I think it's time we talk about some of the music. The first track on Rumors is Second Hand News. This is a song by Lindsey Buckingham, and I really like the song. Uh, obviously, it sets the stage for the record. It opens you into the world of Fleetwood Mac, uh, and I think it's a good tone setter. It's, you know, very thematically pertinent. You know, I know there's nothing to say someone's taken my place, on a breakup album, you can't get a more, you know, relevant opening line. But of course, they do have a lot to say on this song and on all the others. What did you think of the chorus on this? The ba bow ba bow ba bow ba bow ba bow A little repetitive. Sorry, I had to just do a quick ba bow uh, count to figure out that they were in contention for the Spin It Repetitive Award. Certainly they're not. Um, well, that depends. What was our number at? Like 160. Uh, we're at 160? We're, I don't know, we're at a lot of uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. Well, there are 180 bows in this so it gets close i don't remember what the number was we'll have to go check the spinet record books but there are 108 bows off of a very quick count <laughs> this is still better and boy i liked it i mean i know it's the chorus is the it's kind of good the chorus is the bows but it's not like there was an actual chorus that they just repeated a bunch it was this is almost more of just like a break between verses yeah it was a good way to mix it up yeah i liked it i didn't feel like it was repetitive because it's not real lyrics and they're not just saying the same phrase over and over you know right and they do a good job of building it up throughout the song each time feels a little more significant than the last yeah and like the music that's happening with it is good no doubt the rhythms, man. Yeah, that's what the rhythms and the music like almost are like what they're really highlighting during the chorus. And then the bowel, the bowels are just there to provide some sort of vocal. You know, the band's called Fleetwood Mac and rightfully so because Mick Fleetwood and, and John McVie really sell so many of these songs with their clever rhythms. And that interplay between them is just outstanding. Almost the entire record. It's very good. Man, they just have such a good lyric writing ability. You know, all of these songs have different writers, different members of the band contributed to each song and yet they all still have the same energy to them if that makes any sense it's amazing that with primarily three different songwriters uh this album turned out as cohesive as it does it just blows my mind i just love the line in verse three one thing i think you should know i ain't gonna miss you when you go been down so long tossed around enough can't you just let me go down and do my stuff what a time i mean that's you could tell the difference in the attitudes yeah I just like the way that we get the different perspectives here. This is, you know, the Lindsey Buckingham side of things. And as we'll contrast with Stevie Nicks' side of things in the next song, I mean, Buckingham feels a lot more aggressive, a lot more bitter and stuff. And it's apparent in lyrics like that. I ain't going to miss you. Just, you know, you, you get a sense of that starting right here on track one. Yeah, it was, uh, it's a... The great opening track, like I said, sets the tone. Uh, but it's, I don't think, anywhere near as good as track number two. No, it pales in comparison to Stevie Nicks' Dreams, which, like we said, is the band's number one single. It's the 
focal point of this album, really, for me. I mean, every time I start it up, it's just this sigh of, I, like, it just hits you like a wave. It's rightfully so in the Connor Top 3. Absolutely, yeah. I would be mad at you if it wasn't. Allegedly, Stevie Nicks sat down at a piano and wrote this in 10 minutes. Because, you know, she's a vocalist, and when you are in a band trying to record an album, if you're just a vocalist, you're going to have a lot of downtime while all the instruments do their thing. And, you know, sometimes she'd play a tambourine or do things here and there and stuff. She was present for the recording sessions. But when she was kind of available, she would go to a room in the studio with a piano and just noodle around, play what she could play. And she cranked this one out, went back in and said, guys... I just wrote dreams and they went, whoa, they were, I, they didn't go, whoa, they were honestly a little skeptical, but they decided to record it. They went to lay down some instrumental tracks and as they were doing it, Stevie was singing along with them doing a tracking vocal or, you know, what you might call a guide vocal. She was doing that over top of them. And a tracking vocal is just meant to be a rough cut so that they know where they are in the song when they, they're dubbing and doing other things. It's never meant to be the final version. But she did it so well that they could never get another take good enough. Wow. Yeah, they never did. Her tracking vocal made the final cut. And it kind of was problematic for the album's producers because there were times that the other instruments would bleed through on her microphone, like the snare drums and stuff, you could hear it. And sometimes she would sing a little quiet so they had to crank her up and it was just a weird balance. I mean, it works. Yeah, that does not happen. I mean, that's a phenomenon. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think that I think the fact that she has the better song means she won the breakup, right? Oh, I mean, yes, yeah, Stevie Nicks won the breakup. She's still in the band. They fired Buckingham. Oh, uh, well, yeah, that's fair. I don't mean to take sides. I don't mean to take sides, but like Stevie Nicks is objectively... I'm on your side, Queen. She's objectively had the better, uh, I mean, solo career. One thing that's interesting about this song, too, I don't know if you noticed, and I hate to spoil it for you if you didn't, is that they wanted to get things so perfect... At the end of the day, the rhythms were so complex and stuff. They wanted them to be consistent. So a lot of Mick Fleetwood's drum part on this song is actually just on an eight-bar loop. Interesting. I it, Yeah, I mean, I was so focused on everything else, I didn't really pay too much attention to the drums, to be perfectly honest. No, it, they're, that's a that's a several listens thing. And again, the fact that, the fact that it was like a, an eight-bar loop means it... You know, it was consistent enough. I didn't need to focus on it. It didn't pull you out of it. Right. One of my favorite things about the song is just the weeping tone of that guitar. They do an excellent job of just laying the whole thing bare right at the beginning. And lyrically, this song, I understand why it made it right into that top 10. Stevie Nicks is no slouch of a lyricist. Thunder only happens when it's raining. You know, this big shocking dangerous whatever beautiful phenomenon well this is one of the best choruses on the album absolutely the, the imagery of play like you said is just, it's such evocative imagery and yet there's no one meaning to it you know it could kind of take the shape of whatever you want honestly okay with, i want to know your opinion on this line players only love you when they're playing that has so much buffoonery potential but the way it's executed here it's not like it's it's poetry it does have the potential yeah but like if like you could easily take that line and use it in the context of a song that is just the dumbest line you know ever written true but in the context of what she's written it works perfectly it's uh, a missing piece of the puzzle. When the rain washes you clean, you'll know. That's just it, you know. She doesn't have to come right out and say it because you'll know when you get there. When the rain washes away what you've been worried about and stressed over, you'll 
you'll just get it. It's maybe the sweetest breakup song ever written, just from a, I don't know, I don't know what kind of standpoint, but just from a, a feeling standpoint, it feels very optimistic. You know, like the, like you've been washed clean by the rain after this bad relationship that you've been trying to get out of. You mentioned on the last song that secondhand down was Lindsay's side of the breakup. Well, kind of. It's, you get a better picture. Uh, say, I always thought, the, I guess I never realized that, I always thought that his side of it was supposed to be go your own way. Yeah, go your own way is really the gut punch from Lindsay. But, I mean, this whole album... I mean, this whole album is just them all singing about one another, it seems like. Yeah, and that's actually... <laughs> That's actually where they came up with the title Rumors because uh, I saw a quote that said that it looked like they were just writing journal entries, writing diaries about each other in song. Yeah, while on cocaine. We'll talk about some more of those moments where that tension comes to a head later on in the record. But yeah, uh, Dreams is definitely a spot where you could see another, like a new point of view. You got anything else to say about this song? Because we can never go back again. <laughs> yeah. Never Going Back Again is track three. It's another Buckingham cut. I mean, listen to how bright the guitar strings are on that song. I absolutely adore the tones on that guitar. Yeah, uh, yeah, the guitar on this song is phenomenal. Did you, Here's an interesting fact you might not know. Uh, it's a fact that I do know and I'm about to tell you, so. Oh. Yeah, yeah, sorry. But what that fact is, is the, the guitar tones come with quite a cost you know they were recording this and the producer decided that after about 20 minutes of playing the strings would start to sound too dull so they had to change out buckingham strings every 20 minutes they wanted that plucky sound all the way through for all of these tracks and stuff so they did they changed out all the strings and did all the stuff which is a remarkable amount of effort by the way if you yeah. if you're not familiar with restringing a guitar uh to do it once every 20 minutes is it's a long day but even beyond that i believe when they were doing that he recorded every single bit of the guitar part in the wrong key so it wasn't comfortable for him to sing and then they had to redo all the guitar parts in the correct key that's interesting i do i just love the sound of a freshly restrung guitar this is another song that Probably is the is the the return of the terse verse for this album, right? Very short, not very wordy. Yeah, just I mean, it's really not that long of a. It's not a very wordy song in general. But it's a terse song. No, it's true. <laughs> With the chorus like "Been down one time, been down two times, I'm never going back again." That's all you need. Which honestly, the the shortness of it really emphasizes its finality to me. You know, to say I'm never going back again, like I'm done, I don't need it, that's the chapter of my life that's closed, and let's move on. It really feels like a let's move on kind of pace to the lyrics. But of course, we finish this lovely little, I don't know, jaunt of a song in Never Going Back Again, and then we move into another heavy hitter in Don't Stop. This is the first song on the album by Christine McVie, and boy, I mean, what a track. It's a phenomenally bright, happy song. It's this weird, optimistic gem in the middle of the breakup album, because it's it's also a breakup song. She's also getting a divorce from her husband, and, you know, but the song decides to come at it from yet another angle, you know, the, the optimistic point of view. Don't stop thinking about tomorrow. It'll soon be here. It's so catchy. I think that's honestly the biggest thing it's got going for it, because I can't help but think that this song is either overplayed or overrated i can't figure it out it is a really good song don't get me wrong it's a great song but in the context of this album it's kind of one that i always want to get past i think it's a it's a great single but yeah it's a great single but as an album song it suffers based on what it's you know juxtaposed with that's true uh, yeah that makes that you make a great point but the fact that it is on this album and we're talking about the album as a whole is the reason it actually doesn't make connor top three 
three. I, I really enjoy this song, but there's just better things when looking at this from an album perspective. Yeah, there's too much going on because the song is great. Don't stop thinking about tomorrow. It'll be better than before yesterday's gone. It's just so sing-alongable. It's a perfect, honestly, perfect campaign song. Yeah. Because it's easy to remember, it's easy to sing along to, and it's got this, you know, we can do it optimism all the way through. Um, I really like the, um, on the chorus the the run of yesterday's gone and then yesterday's gone you know the 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 like vocal run that's a really good run absolutely it is and one of the highlights of the song i think this is definitely a song that you should listen to it's a song you should have in your personal you know repertoire whatever that looks like but you know it is for me just another track on this album but you know what if that's not what you think you can go your own way good transition good transition Thank you. Yeah, Go Your Own Way just so happens to be track five. This one is also a huge single, just like Don't Stop, but I think it fits in better with the context of this album. This one feels less out of place than Don't Stop to me. It's another song by Buckingham. This was the album's lead single. The first one that released from it. And like we mentioned, it's generally considered the reverse perspective on dreams. You know, being that it's the other side of dreams, the reverse side of that coin. Understandably, Stevie Nicks has said that this is one of the hardest songs to perform live. Because every time Lindsay sings that second verse about, you know, shacking up, she says she wants to go over and kill him. Jeez. Yeah, a lot of strong emotions, you know. Well, when you're together with someone for eight years and it's a messy breakup or, you know, a very intense experience and you're forced to go to work with this person every day for decades. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty venomous line when you realize what it's saying. Uh-huh. I mean, saying that all you want to do is hook up with guys and then move on. Especially since one of her biggest complaints about the relationship was that he focused too much on writing music and not enough on their relationship. And so then for him to just be like, well, you just wanted to go hook up with people. <laughs> it's like, man, you guys are really fighting here. Which, yeah, yeah. Everyone knows that that line's about her. You know, it's no secret. Yeah. That's that's rough. There are rumors about rumors. Huh? <laughs> you know, people speculate about whether anything was happening with Stevie and other people, notably Mick Fleetwood. But, you know, she's denied it. And so as far as I know, there's nothing going on. But she's the queen. Either way, it's kind of a sucky thing to broadcast to the world in your song. I will say that this is the second song to make it in the Connor top three. So both of their perspectives sides of the breakup made it into the top three. So I guess I'm not taking sides now. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, you just did. Except I did. But also, I want to talk about the drums on this song. That was my big note. Yeah, it's a great thing for you to mention. When they made this song, the rhythms were so complex. They sent some demos off to radio and stations went, we're not playing this because it's too rhythmically complex. You know, the, the layperson, the casual radio listener is not going to be able to follow what you're trying to do with the rhythms. And so they added that now iconic acoustic guitar. And that was, they call that the glue that holds the song together. If you can filter out that acoustic guitar when you listen it's true it is so rhythmically involved and you'd never even notice on the surface uh mick fleetwood uh credits his dyslexia for the, the drumming style in this song and how he was able to get such a complex thing really yeah he said that he's described his drumming on this as casual non-technical and inexplicable he just kind of did it just kind of did it yeah <laughs> it's what happened and he said it's probably my dyslexia that caused all the complex rhythms and you know what's now considered complex and everything you know he was just kind of casually drumming and that's what came out well the next time you take a listen to this song audience yeah just give it a little deeper dig for that rhythm and see what you think about it see if you can pick it out yeah 
but uh, also while we're talking about his drumming, I guess that would be a great time to mention a song, just a quick little, you know, one of our quick tangents to talk about a song that's not on the album. Uh, because, you know, his drumming uniqueness isn't, you know, exclusive to this. On their 1979 track, Tusk, he plays the drums on a box of tissues and then again on lamb chops with a spatula. Yeah, and I meant to mention this way back on the opening track, Secondhand News. For part of that song, he's banging on a chair. Yeah, he just loves like hit. He's he's one of my favorite drummers of all time just because of the crazy things he would do with drums. Like, he was like he, I don't know what it was about it. I just I really enjoyed his drumming style and choices. Yeah, very interesting and very impressive. Obviously, he's a big cornerstone of what makes Fleetwood Mac, given that he is Fleetwood. So, Go Your Own Way is like the Fleetwood Mac song, I think. It's probably the first one that most people hear. It's the one that's around the most. I don't know. I, I think Go Your Own Way, it's in the upper echelon of rock and roll songs, along with, like we've talked about, Thriller or, you know, I Love Rock and Roll, other songs like that. This one is like a pretty critical historical piece of music history. The next track, though, is a little more subdued, a little Ballad more... time! Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. The next track is Songbird. Is this one of the songs that you did know before listening to Rumors or one that you didn't? It's one I didn't know. I thought you might. Yeah, in my opinion... Songbird is the best song Christine McVie has on this record. It is fantastic. It pains me. I'm still, I was really hoping to have made a decision by the time we got to this song. I can't decide if this song or a song later on the album gets honorable mention. You're not going to give it to this one. That's pretty surprising to me, to be honest. I want to. It's, uh, I'll make a decision after we get to the other one that's in contention and we talk about it, then I'll make a decision. It's only fair to wait and discuss both. The word on the street is that Christine wrote this song in half an hour. Like, what have you done with your last half hour? Listen to this podcast? You're doing pretty good. I can't fault you. But imagine if instead of doing that, you'd written Songbird. It'd be uh, the second best thing you could have done with your half hour. Because obviously listening to us was the best thing. Was the best. So you made the right choice. Congratulations. (laughs) She's quoted as saying, I wrote the chords and the words and the melody almost as if it was coming from someone else and not me. So it was really one of those experiences where you just put pen to paper and it goes. Ah, uh, that's why it was so good. Somebody else wrote it. No, well, no, she did. You, you understand. She was possessed by a ghost, and the ghost chose to write the song. Somebody call Machine Gun Kelly. She's got cocaine ghosts. <laughs> that's a that's the hardcore version of weed ghosts. <laughs> they wanted this song when they recorded it to sound like she was alone on a stage after a show in a concert hall or something like that. So they left the studio and they recorded it in a big auditorium. And you can really hear that in the super natural sounding echoes and the reverb. She's got a real grand piano in front of her. And boy, if it's not the most beautiful singular instrument sound on this record, like, I think that's it. Yeah, I agree. It's a great song. Songbird is another one that I would, honestly, I guess I I would say it about every song, but highly recommend you check it out. Yeah. Again, it's in contention for honorable mention, but it doesn't make top three because of the next track, The Chain. You're putting The Chain in the top three over Songbird. Yeah. Whoa, okay. Let's talk about that. I love The Chain. It's a great song. It is, you're right. The Chain is the only song on this record with writing credits to all five members of the band. That's cool. It is. Now, I wonder, did you hear that little F-bomb in the beginning? It is so quiet. Yeah, What was that on purpose or... 
I don't know, honestly. Uh, there, it happens in the first three seconds or less, and then there's, there's this big sigh as the music starts to swell. It's amazingly subtle because I didn't even notice it the first many, many times I listened to this record, but then I did hear it. Yeah. And it gave this song a whole new flavor after I did. It just feels different going in with that. This I love that guitar that's plunking out the beginning. It's very plucky. I like it as they ramp up into the verse with the listen to the wind blow. Yeah, it's just a great song. Like this song, like that guitar pluck almost has like country rock vibes to it, you know? Absolutely. The way that guitar is plucking, it's got like country vibes. It does, yeah. Like like outlaw Western country. Yeah. I like this song. I don't think it's the most catchy song on the album, and I don't even think it's the best, but it's the one I always walk away with stuck in my head. It's the one that won't leave my brain, and I can't explain that. And because it's catchy. It's awesome. It It is. It is very good. Listen to the wind blow. Watch the sunrise. Damn your love, damn your lies. Yeah, every single lyric has its own little bite. Yeah, this is, this is one of those songs that I feel like all the pieces come together really well. That's true. And maybe that's because they're all credited on the song. You know, they're all able to bring in what they're good at and actually put together something together. And that's what's so interesting about this song is all five of them come together and this song is about the chain that will keep us together. You know, like we're bound together in this in this band. In this, And you'll never break the chain. Yeah, in this situation, we're forced to be together even though we're kind of over it and, and we're stuck here all at once. If you don't love me now, you'll never love me again. You said you'd never break the chain. So we're, we're in it for the long haul even though why we put ourselves here in the first place is long gone. Thematically, I do think it it is one of the stronger, you know, now that I'm talking talking about it yeah everything about it does seem to be up there in terms of where i put it on the record right so top three territory <laughs> thematically very strong musically very catchy this is like if you had to pick a champion song for the album that's fair enough in terms of like which song represented the album the best cohesively overall i'd pick this one i think this is the song like i said that takes all the aspects of what makes all the other songs great and brings them together well if you if you're putting it in like a competition you know i think don't stop or go your own way is going to be the champion that's really flashy and show-offy and stuff but like the chain is the one that's going to sneak up behind you and slit your throat while you're not expecting it jeez prison rules why do you think it's in chains yeah <laughs> It's a heavy song. The next track, we get back to Christine McVie, You Make Lovin' Fun. Boy, oh boy. Honestly, probably the song that stood out the least on the album. Uh, yeah, I can get behind that. There's a lot of really good bass hooks on that. Little, you know, interesting grooves. I just, if I had to pick one song to erase from my memory on this album, it'd probably be this one. Interesting. It's an interesting, I don't, I honestly, I don't know if I could pick one. But yeah, I guess this would be on the shorter end of the list. It's definitely on the short list, if not the one. You know, it's a song about her new man after she and John split up. But to spare John's feelings, she told him it was a song about her dog. Like, I don't know about you, but I would not buy that for a second. I mean, you gotta be a real sucker. Ah, the first verse you might get away with. Sweet, wonderful you, you make me happy with the things you do. Uh, you can get away with that. Yeah, okay, but... As you get into the song, it gets a little harder to <laughs> to pass off. Uh... Yeah, I know. Don't break the spell. It will be different. You know it will. I don't have to tell you, but you're my only one, Fido. Like, no. <laughs> no. Uh, definitely not. Sorry. Sorry, Christine. That's a thinly veiled 
lie. What's interesting is you dismiss it so easily, but the producer, Ken Calais, called this his favorite sounding song on the album. Well, the producer doesn't know what he's talking about. All right, I'm going to forward that straight up to him. That's fine. That's what I said. I'll say it again. Say it again. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Wow. He said it again. That's serious now. I said it again. I doubled down, audience. Wow. This song features a rare instrument. Did you hear it? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. The clavinet. I had to look up what the clavinet was. Well, I'm sure you know it because if you've heard Stevie Wonder's Superstitious, it's that sound. It's the funkiest song to ever funk. Yeah, it was funny too because when I looked it up, I was like, what is a clavinet? Let's look it up. And the definition I got was the clavinet is an electrically amplified clavichord. And I was like, great. Now I have to look up what a clavichord is. You have to keep digging. Yeah, do more. <laughs> I went down a clava rabbit hole. A clava hole. No, but another fun story about this song is we talked about the band obviously was at each other's throats. And Stevie Nicks, Lindsey Buckingham were singing the background vocals on this track. And they would be cussing each other out when the tapes weren't rolling. You know, really wicked name calling. They were really going at it. But as soon as they hit that record button, they jumped right back into you make love and fun. Like at the drop of a hat. The second that they hit the rec- screw you, you sob, I hate you. You make love. And yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It was noticeable. The producer and everybody that worked with them took note of how bizarre that was. But honestly, to me, that says they're real professionals. That you know, when they need to get to work and kind of put aside their personal drama, or they were mainly doing the name calling to have some fun. Like they were enjoying it more than they actually meant it. <laughs> no, I given the circumstances at the time, I really don't think they were enjoying it very much. That's fair. But if they we're enjoying it frankly i don't want to know i see what you did there yeah i don't want to know it's the name of the next track i almost missed that one good that means it's getting smoother except for when we stop and debrief about it like this I Don't Want to Know predates Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham's involvement in the band. They wrote it way back when they were touring as their own pair. The funny thing is, you know, they joined Fleetwood Mac. Do you know what the two of them called themselves before they joined? Uh, I do know this, but I forget what it is. It's Buckingham Nicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great work, guys. We're really coming up with some cool band names. I'll give you, Fleetwood Mac is a cool band name. Uh, Cool enough that they kept it. Yeah, Buckingham Nicks. I kind of like that, too. That sounds like a a soccer team. Oh, I'm going to go down to the local pitch and watch uh, the Buckingham Knicks play against the... The Fleetwood Mac? (laughs) Yeah, there you go. They're just rival soccer teams. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but it would be the equivalent of us calling this podcast James Conner. Like, you wouldn't listen to it. This song has such a cool story behind it. This song, like we mentioned, was written by Stevie Nicks, and it wasn't originally slated to be on the album. In its stead, they were going to put Silver Springs on there, and it's since been released, but it was a track that was going to be too long, and given the mastering restrictions of vinyl records and stuff, they decided to switch to I Don't Want to Know instead. But they recorded this song without her knowledge. They went to her and said, hey, Stevie, we're going to cut Silver Springs. And so she got really mad, and they said, also, we We definitely recorded I Don't Want to Know While You Were Gone and we're going to do that instead. And she obviously was pretty heated at first, rightfully so, because they had all this ready without her. But, you know, she did want another writing credit on this record. So she kept it anyway and she put all of her parts in later. I just can't even imagine, you know, being a part of this band and saying, we recorded your song without you. You want to come in and just dub your parts onto it? I feel like if I did an episode of this podcast without you and then I was like, you want to just go in and like try to respond to what I said? Try and fill in my parts? Yeah. You know what's funny is I think a lot of it, I think a lot of this song feels a little clunky lyrically i don't want to know the reasons why love keeps right on walking on down the line that one just that is a touch and go line for me this is another one that would probably be in the bottom three 
compared to things like Dreams, you know, and The Chain. Like this one's just it's not on the same caliber as those kind of songs. It's not, but I love the way that it builds. Like this song does have a good driving force behind it. And I like that. Dude, I like. Don't yeah. What do you like? <laughs> I was just saying saying I like Oh Daddy, but that's a weird sentence. <laughs> uh-huh. I really like the next track and it's the one that's in contention with Songbird. Ooh, that's no contention for me. Well, and the reasons why is this is the standout song for songs I didn't know going in. Okay, yeah. Uh, the penultimate track on Rumors is Oh Daddy. It's another Christine McVie cut. And, you know, she really does just do it again here. It's a song that pulls at all your heartstrings. Yeah, you know, that soft acoustic guitar starts off. And then you get, like, I don't know, flute or recorder or something. Mm-hmm. A woodwind. Into the, the, the line, just that opening line, you know, Oh Daddy... It just it hit me like a ton of bricks. It was a song I did not know. And so I was like, it started out with that nice guitar. And I was like, this is nice. And then the wind instrument came in. And I was like, oh, this is fun. And then she started singing. And I was like, wow. Yeah. And so it's like, I want to give this song honorable mention because of how standout it was for a song I did not know by Fleetwood Mac. I would agree that Songbird is the better song. It's just... This one has that like initial first time gut punch. Sure. Yeah. Well, it is it is absolutely a gut punch all the way through. It's a song about someone that's stuck in a relationship that they just can't get out of even though they very clearly want to. It's probably one of the saddest songs on the record. And it's funny because it comes from Christine McVie who wrote the happiest songs on the record, like Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow. It's phenomenal the range that she displays here. She really had a killer day, too. Remember how I said she cranked out Songbird in half an hour? She says that she wrote all four of her songs on rumors on the same day jeez yeah 24 hours and she's just like all right everybody else fill in your parts i've got my songs what did you yeah audience what did you guys do with your last 24 hours oh only listen to spin it podcast all of our episodes all the way through on repeat that's what i did that was the correct move again oh wow wait it occurs to me that this is episode 25 that means we've got more than 24 hours of just continuous content you're right you didn't have to listen to it on repeat yeah you didn't have to repeat a single thing in fact you didn't get through everything because i know some of our stuff is more than an hour (laughs) (laughs) congrats congrats to you if that's what you did with your day and if it's not you better have written four hit songs for a really popular album (laughs) those are your only two options there what do you mean there is no in between no there's plenty of in between i think the song needs a little more time to marinate than every other song on this album this is the one that's going to need to sit the longest for most people really i think so i don't know i didn't have that but again, I'm the ballad guy, right? And so a uh, ballad I'd never heard by a band I like. I was like, hello. And, just, it, and again, the fact that it is such a sad song, like it pulls at your heartstrings and it's so so melodic. It just, I think I am going to give this one honorable mention just because of the shock factor. Okay. Now that brings us down to the last track on the, you know, original release of the album. Obviously, there's been deluxe editions and re-releases. Like I mentioned, Silver Springs, it's out there now on certain versions of the album. But we're going to stop after Gold Dust Woman. Stevie Nicks' last cut. Probably my least favorite of her songs on the album. I think it's the least memorable of hers. It's a really uh, vicious song about, you know, women who would try and be with a guy that you know, right? She's talking to this woman. Rock on, Gold Dust Woman. Take your silver spoon, dig your grave. It's a it's a real uh, indictment. Yeah. And the chorus she's talking to a man who's been involved with one of these gold dust women did she make you cry 
make you break down, shatter your illusions of love, but like get over it, you know, pick up the pieces and go home. It's a, it's a song that's not without its fair share of biting lyrics. Apparently when she was recording her takes of this song, uh, they went all night long. She did her first takes of this in a fully lit studio, just ready to go. And then as they went on and went on and went on and went on, she kind of just started to fade. So they started to dim the lights and they brought her a chair and she had tissues and like sore throat, cough drops, water. Like she was uh, really giving it her all. And allegedly, I think according to Mick Fleetwood, so, you know, take it with a grain of salt, on the eighth take at four in the morning, she hit the nail on the head. So like that's a full, full, full night of vocals. Yeah. And it shows. I think every single syllable is just i mean to the brim with emotion very saturated yeah it's a good song i prefer her other songs you know that's fair all right now i gotta ask you we've kind of come to the end of the record and i think we're about to start final spin which of the three main songwriters was your favorite group of songs we've got Lindsay buckingham we've got stevie nicks we've got christine mcvee buckingham has secondhand news never going back again go your own way and that's it stevie nicks has dreams which is again pretty heavy hitter she's got she's got i don't want to know and she's got gold dust woman and then christine mcvee has don't stop and songbird and you make loving fun and oh daddy those are your three groups to pick from they all contributed to the chain so you don't get to use that to sway your decision it's a toss-up between 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 the two ladies yeah i think it was so part of the problem is uh stevie nicks only has three songs that's true it makes it a little lopsided yeah it makes it a little lopsided but then she's got dreams which is the heaviest hitter of all the songs we just named i know and so it's like does dreams overcome everything else for me, it does not. I don't think it does. I think Christine wins. I think I gotta give it to McVie. Good job, Christine. You won our favor, and it means absolutely nothing. Take it to the counter and redeem for tickets. If you spin it, Bucks. Yeah, get some spin it bucks. If you earn a 742 spin it bucks, you can redeem it in to influence the mixtapers factor spin round. That's his favorite number. It's favorite number 742. All right. Good to know. So we're into final spin. Are you claiming a favorite song? Which song are you taking? I refuse to claim a favorite song. You refuse? I gotta stay impartial in the, in, you know, in the feud. <laughs> yeah, okay. I will tell you it's between dreams and go your own way, <laughs> but I can't pick. Sure, sure. Well, then I guess we'll just make those two the ones on the playlist because I'm going to take Dreams. You're going to take Dreams? I figured you would. It is just awesome. It is a good song cover to cover. Like, Part of me wants to put the chain on the playlist, though, instead of go your own way. I don't know. Uh, this is this is one of those ones. This is, an album like this is why I early on established the precedent of the Connor Top 3, so I didn't have to make a choice. Yep, yep. <laughs> but my Top 3 will be in album order. Dreams, Go Your Own Way, The Chain, with Connor Woolman going to O'Daddy. Sure, naturally. I'm not surprised in the slightest. What a great album to end the year on, honestly to to ring out 2021 and kick off 2022 don't stop thinking about tomorrow it'll literally be a new year if you're listening on the day that this comes out uh if you've listened after that welcome to 2022 already let us know how it is up there well let's get into scores let's start breaking it down music is so consistently catchy throughout like i said i mean every song gets stuck in my head as i'm listening to it from secondhand news but a bump a bump a bump a bump all the way through dreams and the weepy guitars through the chain will keep us together like everything everything top to bottom just gets drilled into my brain melodies are really good they move a lot the guitar is pretty excellent the parts where he busts into his guitar solo is like there's a reason it took two guitarists to replace Lindsay buckingham he's quite a guy so music i'm giving an 88 nice 
Lyrics are an area where I think this album struggles a little bit more than I want it to. Really? It's a breakup album, and I think a lot of lyrics are done really, really well. I mean, of course, there are songs like Dreams and stuff that, that are just great. But then there are songs that... I guess are ambiguous enough to make people believe they're about a dog. But then we talked about some of the clunkier lyrics on some of these songs. Sometimes they kind of keep it more simple. I'm giving lyrics, though, I mean, it's an 83 from me. So still in the 80s, still pretty solid. I just think if there's anywhere that this album could improve, it's there. Fair enough, I guess. Maybe, you know, that score will fluctuate. Who knows? Instruments and production, I mean, really solid. We talked about the clavinet and how he was banging on chairs. The drum beats are unique and so just, like innately Mick Fleetwood throughout. It's all very, very good. I think the instruments and the production complement what these songs are trying to do very well. I'm giving it an 84. All right. The vibe, of course, just outstanding. Like I mentioned way at the beginning of the episode, such an easy album to listen to. I mean, I could put it on repeat and have it done three or four times before I even realized it had skipped over to a, you know, to itself again. It's just a joy to listen to, which is funny because it's maybe the happiest breakup album you'll ever find. Yeah, and it's really not even that happy. Yeah, and the way that it sounds. The lyrics are very heavy, but it's just something about it takes you there and keeps you there i'm giving vibe an 88 all right two 88s and 83 and an 84 i believe final score uh is going to come out to an 87.1 nice right on the doorstep of a 90 where's that put it 139 that is surprisingly low i was really expecting this to be top 100 very close and i honestly again i think it should be higher maybe i'll listen to it rescore it later and move it up i like this album a lot it's it's a piece of rock history, and it's almost an instant classic. Fair enough. I agree with pretty much everything you said. Uh, you summed it up well. For me, I'm a big rock fan. This is classic rock, you know. I don't know what genre it actually is, but I consider it classic rock. It's rock from the older era. Yeah, it's rock. Softer, albeit, but... Like a rock that's the, a rock that's been in a riverbed for years, and it's nice and smooth. Whatever. Yeah, sure. It's got some great standout songs that are never skips for me on my playlists when they come up. Got one of my favorite artists uh, in, in the band lineup, you know, the Queen herself, Stevie Nicks. Just a, it's a good album to end the year on. It's a good album to just have done in general, and I'm glad, again, coming into Spinter Wonderland, we were in a bit of a slump. I mean, says you. For me, for for what I was enjoying. Yes. Uh, we were in a bit of a slump. So then to come out of Spinner Wonderland with this knockout, you know, uh, it was it was refreshing. I really wanted to pull you back. And so I'm going to give this one nine Brams out of ten. Ooh, back up to nine. Nine's pretty good. Hitting it hard with a nine. You'd love to see it. You love to see it. Those British American bands pulling out the nine. That's right. Nine Brams. Hashtag Bram in the chat, everybody. Yeah. Uh, well, whatever. If we had a chat, maybe. Well, if you're on YouTube, hashtag Bram. In the comments for what? I don't get it, but I don't understand. So, yeah, we've got a 9. We've got an 87.1. What a record. What a time. Welcome back to Spin It. Coming out of the old and into the new. No, no, you're supposed to be saying goodbye. Well, I know. I'm just... I'm just... <laughs> It's the end of the episode. Don't welcome them now. <laughs> we'll see you next week in 2022. We got a lot of exciting stuff planned. But until then, you can follow us on all our socials at Spin It Pod Official, on Instagram at Spin It Pod, on Twitter. We're on YouTube, everywhere, whatever you want. We're www.spinitpod.com on the World Wide Web, where you can find this episode, all of our bonus content, our ranking spreadsheet, and much, much more. Anyway, thanks for listening to us before you watch the ball drop tonight or... If you're not listening to this on the day it comes out. As you're listening to it. You know, if 
if you start playing this episode at exactly 11.42, 13 at night, you'll hear the mixtape say, yeah, just right as the ball drops. I don't know if that timestamp was right at all. I made Not that timestamp up. That was, a, you know, that was a trend a long time ago. Like, what, last year wasn't a that a big trend where everybody was like, oh, is it a big trend? Yeah, it's a big trend. If you've listened to the episode right now, you can go figure out what timestamp you're supposed to be at in order to make that happen. Oh, you can here, do it. No. So you can ring in I've the new year with the new big You know what? If you're listening to this episode on release day, uh, pause it when I say so, and then it will be three seconds until we say keep spinning, and that's when the ball will drop. Okay, ready? So yeah, so pause the episode now. Boom. Three, two, one. Keep, keep spinning, spinning, and happy new year. Happy new year. No, get out of here. You're not no, welcome. I'm so sorry. I just part of the show. <laughs> this is the outro. Yeah.